Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Misty's Lunacy. So glad you could be with us today. We're having a serious chill factor in Florida, which is rather amusing, except I think everybody else is having. I'd like to put my fire pit inside the house, but I think I'd burn it. Not a good idea. Anyway, I have the privilege of being with a woman of such incredible countenance, humor, wit. And as I say, when she walks into a room, she doesn't walk. She wafts. It's as though she's floating on air. Her energy is beyond anyone I've ever seen. Her work is extraordinary. She is a workaholic, brilliant. Her mind thinks in ways I don't think any of us could even fathom. And she's brilliant. And I mean, to think of somebody being that incredible is such a gift. And it's such a pleasure to introduce you to my dear friend, impressive in every inch of every way, Edwina Sands. Now, it is so hard to talk about her because of all the multifaceted things that she does that it is almost impossible, unless I had six hours, to encompass her vision, her heartfelt, brilliant ideas, how her works are done through the mediums of which you can't even imagine. I mean, she's standing on a slab of marble in Italy and goes, I can do this. Absolutely no problem. I'm like, what? There you go. She has done art, marble, uh, clay, clay, bronze, bronzes. It never ends. And this woman never ceases to amaze, I believe, even herself. She is incredible. There's an amazing book that just that came out that is absolutely fantastic. And it's very much about women. She's an extremely empowered woman that has absolutely given such joy to everyone who reads it. And it is called Edwina Sands Art. The text is by Caroline Seaborn. The foreword is by Anthony Hayden Guest, who could not be a more hysterically funny person. And an introduction is by Sir Roland Penrose. And let me tell you, I don't think anybody could possibly come near her. Her style is very much like Matisse in terms of the cutouts and things, but it goes so beyond that in terms of... Uh, the the, the the vision that she has. And, I mean, she's had her, her flowers on Park Avenue in parks. She has a fabulous, fabulous bed of roses, which is called you're either really happy or really miserable in your marriage. The apple in the hand is actually a very famous one, and it's been everywhere. And this woman could continue to create anything out of anything. She's divinely humorous. Her work entices, it's very sensual, it's unusual, and I don't know how to describe the joy that I've had in giggling with this wonderful woman, and the creations are beyond the pale. If I could just move in, I could sleep like a little dog in her bedroom and just sort of look at all the colors. She says red is the most sensuous color she's ever worked with, which I really believe is true because her red, it, it just droops and drips of sex and sensuality. She's been all over the world, and this woman hasn't skipped a beat, not a beat. And so we're going to start talking a little bit about her stories. Now, there's something right now that's happening in Palm Beach, if you happen to be here, at the Ann Norton Sculpture Garden, and she's got her work there along with other artists, but of course she shines through. 
And I think it would be really fun for you to go take a peekaboo. It's also there during the daytime. What time is it open at, Edwina? I think it opens at 10 o'clock until 4 p.m. Well, I think that's fabulous. And so we have to go. The one time I wanted to go was pouring rain. And she just has gotten a book that will out be soon out um, about her grandfather, Winston Churchill, who happened to have been a very, very serious painter and writer. And Edwina has put it all together about his life, which he was a rather intriguing man, you know, and he also had a great sense of humor. Bright fellow, I might add. Great lineage, as far as I'm concerned. And so I seem to see that art flows through all of your veins in some way or another. Are any of your son's photographers or anything like that? Yes, my elder son, Mark, uh, has was a photographer at school, and he wrote... Um, he did a book even while he was only 15 about photography. But now he's in, they're into other things. But they, they, but you do, see? they do like um, they do like art. and You see, and it's just, it. I mean, Dwayne, of course, did not have proper schooling because unfortunately during World War II, I believe, <laughs> they had to hide those poor darlings somewhere where they could be safe because London was being bombed. And so they had a very unusual and eccentric life childhood. But for some reason, her creativity came through, through and through, and she was most joyful doodling in the back of the classroom and doing all these fabulous designs and drawings. She's very much like Matisse in terms of these cutouts. It's fabulous. But the book that I is not up yet, but you're getting a gander, and you'll be the first to know, because Miss D's telling you, is called Winston Churchill, A Passion for Painting. And he was actually really, really good. You know, George Bush was also equally an extraordinary artist, by the way. And the Bush Library is in Dallas. And he did every prime minister and everybody. I've seen it. It was absolutely stunning. Nobody knew. Hey, run the country one minute. Make a picture of the portrait the next. I don't know. So please put this on your radar. Winston Church Churchill, A passion for painting and if you'd like to talk a bit about the book darling you're more than welcome or do you want us just to be surprised when we buy it what's what do you like to do i'd like you to be surprised uh, when you buy the book which i think will be on amazon in in two or three weeks but um perhaps i'd rather talk more about my own art I although i love my grandfather's art too of course i wish he could have seen my art but uh I wasn't really doing it when, when I knew him. Well, I think he's coming and looking down on heaven going, God, she's good. <laughs> now, I think um, it's fantastic, Diane. She gave me such a, a good talk up just now. I don't think I can live up to it, oh, but I'll do my can. best. You certainly so, can. So um, Diane herself is a, a great spirited woman, and you never know what to expect with her. <laughs> But I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about your passion. I want to talk to you about, I mean, there's so much passion here. I wouldn't even be able to try to utter a word of how to describe you. But I have this fantastic also book called Social Intercourse, which absolutely is brilliantly funny. So funny. But we have so much to do. And I would like for Edwina to, to really talk from the heart about things that have really moved her. And some of the trip-ups and the funny things. Of course, life gives you good things, bad things, and you never know, and you have to take the good with the bad. So I'm going to hand over the microphone because if anybody can talk, 
This wonderful friend of mine called Edwina can certainly share some very funny things. Well, I grew up in London. Um, I was born just at the beginning of World War II, a long, long time ago. And uh, that was a different world. And um, of course, I had a pretty conventional upbringing, except uh, there were bombs going around and things like that. But um, I didn't, didn't go to a university because um, in my school, I went to a, a girls' boarding school, which was very nice, lots of lovely sport, tennis and lacrosse, which girls play in England. And there was only one girl in the whole school who actually ever went to university during my time because they really thought that it was a nice school where you would learn to be um, very nice, very well-behaved, and uh, pretty well-educated in, in pleasant things, literature and poetry and um, some history of art, so that you could be a perfect wife for a very important man. And I suppose, um, you know, the boys went to different schools and they went to university, but the girls of my generation, very rarely, only very few of them went to university. So upon leaving school, I met lots of um, suitable gentlemen and I married one of them and I had two lovely boys. They're now quite grown up now. And then this didn't really work out all that well, but um, we said, that's enough. And um, then I came to live in New York. Actually, the minute I got more or less nearly divorced from my first husband, I was wondering what to do with my life. I had a husband and a house and cooked and given parties and all sounds very, very old fashioned. And then I had the two lovely children but then I was thinking, is that all I am? Just a wife and mother, and then not even a wife then. So I thought what I'd do, what could I do? I thought at first I might go into politics because that seemed the most daring thing I could possibly do. And, and then another thing I thought I could do is to be uh, like a TV anchor because I'm very good at asking questions and sometimes a little bit edgy ones and perhaps surprising ones sometimes. So, but then I thought that was much too terrifying. So I then decided it would be less terrifying to try to be a member of parliament. Sounds scary to me. I know. Well, so then I did try to do that. But at that time that I decided to do that, my husband at the time, he himself was just becoming a member of parliament and the people that were in his area that were had chosen him, they got very annoyed and they said, we, when we chose your husband, it was as if to say we were having a big event like a wedding and we'd had a cook and a butler. And, and suddenly, uh, well, as the great day is dawning, we've got the butler, but where's the cook? If you go off to a completely other area of England and become a member of parliament, you won't be coming and opening our garden parties and doing all that stuff that wives do to help their husband's career. So I had to stop that because I didn't want to spoil his chances. So I thought that's not for me now. So then I decided to, um, to write a novel. And I thought I could just do that. It was a little bit, some, some of it was really true, 
And of course, I changed names when some of it wasn't true and I made it up. It was called The Truth Lies Somewhere in Between. So I thought I was going to be a writer. And then I did some articles and uh, newspaper articles. I had a column in the, the Sunday Telegraph in London. And then I was just about to write my second novel when I realized that I was enjoying painting so much. I was doing some sketches. And so I did quite a lot of them and I thought they looked quite good. So I had them framed and they were hanging in the house. And soon there was too many in the house. So luckily, by chance, a man with a, ho with a, with a restaurant who we knew came by and he said, oh, those are nice paintings. I said, thank you. He said, you know what just happened in our restaurant last week? There was a fire in our restaurant and all the pa paintings have been ruined that were there. You, would you like to bring your paintings into the, to the restaurant? And we could sell them. Well, I'd never thought of any of that, but so we did. And in those days, um, they were, I did them mostly with felt pens. They were more or less caricatures mm. and they were, um, they were sold for about 20 pounds. A hit, which is a hit. about 30, from a $30 now, $30 oh now. So, and of course, because they were so inexpensive, they all sold and I thought I'll be so successful. Yay. And I have been somewhat sometimes successful. So after that, I got into sculpting and I first did bid clay work in bronze. And, and then I went to Italy where I had a, a little house in Italy and somebody said, you must come and you must do work in marble. And they took me to Carrara, where Michelangelo had his um, his um, quarries and where he did some of his work. I'm not saying I was Michelangelo, by the way, or Michelangelo, but uh, it was really, it's quite a historic place. Anyway, so what happened was I did make some sculptures in, in um, marble, and then uh, it was mostly white marble, and they were more or less cutouts, more or less simple simple uh, shapes not to be to spend all a whole year on one sculpture so that was all fine and they were just mostly pure white and then one day my the boyfriend i had at that time who was great fun but i have to say he was a little careless we were getting off a train and he was holding this sculpture in his hand in two arms and then when i, I he got off the train and i saw his face quite aghast and and then I saw that his two, two arms were not close together anymore and their two arms were far apart and the sculpture had been broken in half. Good Lord. And so good Lord I should say. So I, I was really uh, really upset of course and then I took it home and I got got it glued together. So it at a distance it looked all right. But then I realized that it didn't look nice. There was this mark across, across the neck of this sculpture, which was of a woman, a skinny woman with crazy, a crazy mane of hair. And so a very tall, thin woman. And so I realized that I must make some more little marks all across, all across it so that you won't know which one is where the glue is. And then... Clever, clever. In Italy, they had this old-fashioned way of doing things I thought it would be nice if we could color it. So I was having, so the, what we did was I engraved in this sculpture and then it be subsequently became one of my styles is to 
take the white marble and engrave grooves in it, and that gets filled with color, pigment, and a sort of a resin. And then the whole thing is polished off and it stays in the groove, so it's, it's flush. So that became a way of doing white marble sculptures with sort of drawings on them. And I don't think anyone else is doing that now. I don't think they so. They may have done that in the ancient of days. And I am looking at it it's on page 16, That's the one. Art of Edwina Sands art, which is absolutely brilliant because her work is, is, is un first of all, nobody had ever done this before, by the way. But the way she puts the caricatures together and the colors together in such a modern manner is extraordinary. I mean, it's extraordinary. And it, it, she has put a whole new dimension on marble, whole new dimension, which I don't think, as you said, anybody had ever done it before. Putting that sort of color gave her the possibility of using not one art form, but several. Now, when I do the, do, when I was doing these particular marble sculptures with the colored inlay, I also was not always in Italy all the time. So I also did paintings on the same themes. So I would do, uh, very often I would do a painting of one of my sculptures, a, a white sculpture with with colored or with drawing on it. And that would be in the center of a library with with colorful books and bookshelves behind and flowers usually. So I had a sort of thing going with with a sculpture against a backdrop of books, because books are great fun. And then I would put titles of the, for instance, I would have something like um, this one we're looking at is called the Aries woman. It, it is a woman, um, but she's got ram's horns. So she's got the best of both worlds. And she's standing in a library and in the books in the library, they're all things to do with rams and 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 sheep and or anything that I could think of to, that would be appropriate to it. I love it. Murder on the Orient Express. I mean, this is such a hoot. So I loved. I love doing that. It sort of gets a little bit of literature into uh, the 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 uh, art. What I think is so extraordinary is is the fact that these flowers are so fantastic against the backdrop of the rather poignant. Artwork. I mean, it's got wacky hair, bosoms, fish around the head. I mean, there's so, so. Edwina said something that was most, most incredible thing. She said, "If I draw you, your face is embedded in my mind, and I could draw you anywhere ever again." Now, I find that kind of retention, artistic retention, to be extraordinary. And you did write that. You know, you said that. If you took a picture or, or drew somebody, you could drive, drew them again for the rest of your life without even taking a look at them. Not everybody, of course. <laughs> well, people like us. <laughs> some people, exactly. Of course, it has to be yes. people like us because they're okay. so cool. But I mean, look at the fish here, Pisces. I mean, brilliant with color. I think it There's is flowers. Just... I do love flowers I very, very much. Yeah, I love them. And um, at the moment, we have the show on in Palm Beach at the Ann Norton Sculpture Garden. And it's all, it's called flowers. It's all about flowers. All the artists are doing only flowers. I do some paintings of flowers, but I also have three uh, seven foot flower women. They're, they're just um, the figure of a woman in red and white. Thank and you. they each have a different head, like a flower. Totally awesome. Totally. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going. I'm a naughty girl because I haven't had a chance to go. But I mean, if you go to her house, that studio, 
the crayons, the drawings. Also, you did something quite controversial, my dear friend, with the cross. <laughs> I, do. I don't know if you want to talk about it, but it's but her work has been on Park Avenue. Um, uh, Edwina was there during the breakdown of the Berlin Wall. Some of her things are in Geneva, Switzerland. I mean, they've really traveled all over the world. This one is in Vienna, Austria. This is in Italy. Now she's going to do this fabulous project called Stonehenge. Uh, yes, uh, uh, many years ago, I did a sculpture called Woman Free. The woman, it's in marble, and it's at the United Nations in Vienna. It's uh, The woman is, is just a, a very simple figure of a woman, and behind is a big block of marble, a rough block of marble, with the cutout of the woman that is standing in front of it. And that's called Woman Free. And that was done a long time ago. But now I have one very important thing I want to do um, in the future. And I haven't been able to do it yet. It's, the Millennium it's Circle. It's called the Millennium Circle. And it comes from the Woman Free sculpture. It's based on, it's inspired by Stonehenge. It's got um, 10 large, rough stones standing up with with uh, lintel on the top of it and um, they go round in a circle like part of a stone henge but from each one of those is cut out the figure of a woman so you can see through the big stones the sh the, sh the the void shape of the woman and in front in the middle of the circle stand all these uh these 10 women figures they're polished and and they stand out they're able to be freed from the old stones and they're of time immemorial, and they're able to go places, like Diane and me. <laughs> Have will shall travel. <laughs> now you met Dolly, so I want to hear a little bit about it. Was he an absolutely fun fellow with his mustache all done up, or was he a bit of a pompous fellow? What was he like? Well, I didn't know him well, I'm afraid to say, but he did look just the way the way he's photographed and he, he of course is so imaginative and is, he is a fountain of of fun and a style and elegance and well delicious well that's quite a that's quite a coup because that man is rather interesting let's let's go to um when we talked about the cutout sculptures yeah i it, one thing leads to another with my art i don't Correct. and i don't really ever stop doing some of the things i used to do but i just do the same things in a different way or the same ideas but i once i started cutting out marble which is quite a thing to do it's very i hard. i um although we have machines to help that but then i was into cutting and i lot, did quite a lot of the patterns for it, cutting out, starting with cutting out paper, as did Matisse, of course. And so I started doing a lot of cutouts and I call, I've done um, over a hundred, which I call yin-yang. They are collages, they're cutouts in paper and there's a lot of positive and negative in it. You can go to the next. Um, and so I, I like doing those, mostly they're red and white, which is my favorite color. I know. And I have read my red chairs outside. Oh, here, you're getting an award of some kind at the United Nations in New York. Well, yes, maybe. With the mayor, John Lindsay. Oh, my God, he was such a neat guy. 
oh my God, look, they're lifting this 300 pound thing. Oh my goodness gracious, this is so back. United Nations School, look at this. Geneva. I wish I was this talented. I'm actually a very good raconteur. But... Okay, let me just jump in there here. There we go. Uh, we, um, one of the themes of my work is, is, is women or women. And I did a show, I did a show uh, some time ago called The States of Woman. And it was anything, I could do anything. It didn't matter what medium, whether it was a drawing or a sculpture or whatever, uh, so long as it had something to do with, with, uh, with woman. And uh, one of the pieces that Dan did mention earlier, I think, uh, is called The Marriage Bed. Oh, I love it. Sometime, sometimes a bed of roses, sometimes a bed of nails. nails. And it is actually on a bed of nails. And so what us. it is, is I got a, um, a full-sized old bed, bedstead, a metal, old metal bed, bed, and um, full size. And then I made a sort of a mattress of metal. And on it, I put diagonally giant silver nails half of its nails and the other half are giant red roses and um, somebody said to me doesn't your husband that's my beloved husband of the last 30 years Richard Kaplan uh, they said doesn't your husband mind when you did a thing saying half half nails and half roses I said no because in our marriage it's nearly all roses oh well, if that went for everybody, divorces would be non-existent. Unfortunately, marriage is a compromise, which I haven't quite figured out. I have a wonderful cocktail napkin, which I should give you, that says, if everything goes exactly my way, I'm completely flexible. <laughs> well, as you know, you have to kiss a few frogs before you find the prince. Well, you better believe it, but I'm not kissing no frogs, and I ain't finding no more prince because I'm way too demanding, and I'm not a good secretary for somebody else. But I, this is in Brooklyn, yes, at the Brooklyn Museum? Mm -hmm. Is it still there? Well, it is. They don't always display it, but it is there. But I think I love this one, too, the brass cage. A cage is a point of view, like a gated community. Don't you love it? It can be protective, but it can also be isolating. Here, the door of the cage is open, but the woman inside wearing the diamond necklace is in a quandary. She could fly away, but she has material reasons to stay. Very interesting. So then Edwina took it even a step further. She did it. She does collages all the time, and she does all these wonderful drawings all the time. And she started doing social intercourse. It's the funniest book I've ever read. And she's got these little funny caricatures in the side, and she came up with these questions. Quiz. Like a quiz, exactly. What do you wear when the invitation says semi-formal? Well, there's four questions, four answers. Top hat, white tails, and your favorite bathing suit. <laughs> B, lounge suit or cocktail dress. C, hardly anything as long as it's black. And D, whatever you like. Hysterical. Question that, two. That's a good one. Yeah. How do you refuse a verbal invitation tactfully? A, there's a program on TV I can't miss. B, I have a prior engagement. I'm going to be tied up all night at the office. D, I have to help my children with their homework. But the, but the picture for that, there's a picture for that is this. This is the she's man. She's naked. The and, man, he, and she's sitting, the, the girl is naked sitting on the man's lap. He's at the office and he's, he's tied, up. tied up in red tape. <laughs> it's funny. 
Oh, my God. How do you deal with a drunken guest? A, lock him in a closet until the party's over. Tell him there's a much better party next door. I love it. Tie his loose shoelaces together. No, that's a good one. Introduce him to someone in a similar condition. And there's, of course, three ladies wandering around. One brother has got a shoe in her hand, and, of course, they're spilling drinks all over the fellow. That is very funny. Here's another one. How do you reply to an invitation when you want to keep your options open? I'll try to look in sometime during the evening. A. B. If I can cancel my tennis lesson. C. If my White House appointment is canceled. And D. I have a tentative engagement. May I let you know? And these are people that are looking like they're playing tennis party ploys. But it's hysterical. Go ahead. That's probably enough because... You you should really. I'm ruining or, the you, book. You I'm should really get the book. Oh But my. at the end of it, you fight. But but at the end of the book, when you if you count up your scores, which are written upside down on each page, you can end up being a social superstar, a social climber, a social survivor, or a social disaster. <laughs> I think it's fabulous. It's my favorite thing ever. Ever, ever. Well, anyway, we're unfortunately running out of time, and I could have Edwina talk forever and ever. But what I want you to do is to get the books. I want you to go to the sculpture garden. I want you to stay warm. And as I say, as I part with you, please lead us not into temptation. We can find it ourselves. Have a wonderful day. I will speak with you and rejoin you next week. God bless.